0: Amen. Good morning. Good morning, church. Good as the choirs getting seated and situated. Listen, don't you stand with us today and let's sing. All right, let's have a good time and, and worship our Lord today with song. Sing it out with me.
1: so good to see you here this morning, Um, and so so excited to be able to worship together. If you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here. My name's Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Airline. If you're visiting with us, um, there should be a connection card somewhere in the pew around you. Um, We'd love for you to fill that out just to connect with you. Thank you for being here. After worship, we'll have some—we have a gift for you in the back if you're visiting with us. And so, just real quick as we get started. As a church, I know we've been through a lot the past few weeks with um, funerals, folks in hospitals, um, but just wanted to read this real quick to you. And so just this quick note says, Dear church family, we would like to express our deepest gratitude to you all for the love, prayers, food and visits during the loss of our father, Roland Smith, Sr. We have been a part of this church for about 50 years and you have encouraged and loved us through the years of happy and sad times. We were married here, our children were born here, and they were saved and baptized here. You celebrated the marriage of both our children, helped us to welcome six grandchildren into the world. Our airline family helped us mourn the loss of both Deborah's parents and now Chip's father. You have helped us celebrate life and death as only God's people can with the assurance of his control, his supremacy, and an eternity that surpasses anything that we could ever imagine. The church knows how to love people and serve people as God intends, and we are so appreciative of all that you have meant to our family over the years. Your love and support in our lives have led us to an intimate understanding of why God says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. He knew we would need each other. As we look around each Sunday, we recognize that all of us should make it our goal to fill our sanctuary by inviting people to come and join this fellowship of believers who love the Lord and love each other. Our lifelong desire for Airline has always been that this church would continue to strive to meet the needs of this community, share the gospel, and see people come to know God's love and grace through salvation. We love you all and feel so blessed and honored that God has brought us all together to serve him. Chip and Deborah and the Roland Smith family. Church, I share that with you this morning because a church that's in fellowship, a church that's in mission together, that it has a profound impact. A church that loves one another, cares for one another, has a profound impact on the community in which it serves. And so let us strive today to make much of Jesus as a corporate body. At this time, we'll move into our, our tithes and offerings as we continue in worship. And so let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, we praise you. Thank you again for this opportunity we have together and to worship you. So God, we pray now for these offerings. Would you use them for your glory and for your honor? Not for ours, not for our name to be known, but yours. And so would you take it and use it and multiply it? And God, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.
0: coming down. I want you to remain standing just a little bit. Okay. Um, you didn't have to turn that off. That was pretty. That's good. Turn around and shake hands with those around you this morning. Let them know how much you love them. All right. You so much, God. The sound of fellowship among your believers, Lord, this morning is just so wonderful and such a blessing. Lord, we thank you for the privilege to sing these songs of, of praise that glorify you and lift you up this morning. And Lord, I look forward to our pastors. He comes to bring the word to us today, Lord, and you have your way, God, in everything that's done. And we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Again, it's good to see you this morning. Appreciate Mike and the band and the choir for leading us in worship today. Um, I I love the sound of of corporate worship as we all gather together to lift up our risen king. Amen. James chapter 4 is where we will be. And as we continue, kind of it's, it's been a main point of emphasis as we've worked through this series in the book of James that James is really at a point where, He's really focused in on how the gospel produces humility in one's life. In the text that we're looking at today, this really this underflow of humility is going to continue because James is going to be talking about how we make plans, really how we think about the future. Now, show of hands, I took a poll last week. Um, if you were to go on a vacation, are you the kind of person that creates an itinerary, or see, or just take the day as it comes? Okay, show of hands if you're the itinerary person. Okay, got to have an itinerary. All right, show of hands if you just take the days as they come. Okay, Amen. Now I saw some. I'm, I'm convinced that. There's two types of people in life. There's the types of people who love a plan. They love a calendar. And then there's people who have never heard of a calendar, who just take things as they come. And I am convinced, Mike, that the two people find each other and marry. Amen. Some of the husbands got quiet on that one. But we, we like plans, we like to plan ahead, we like to think about the future. And this was a lesson I learned the hard way in ministry. Uh, several years ago, I was a couple years in the pastoring down in Florida, and um, I had the great idea, Nelson, one day. So I'm gonna call the staff together and we're gonna, we're gonna have a five, six hour meeting and we're going to map out all of the next year. So we sat down in December and we met for about five, six hours and we went January to December and we went through it with a fine tooth comb. We knew what we were doing every single month. We knew what all our big events were and we were gonna get after it. The only problem is, That was December of 2019 and we were planning for 2020. Now, if you remember correctly, something happened in 2020 that blew up any plan that had ever been made on the face of the earth. And so we quickly learned God has his own plans, his own timetables for things. So we quickly learned that and so now we, we focus on quarters. So we haven't planned out all of 2024 yet. We're just focusing on the first little bit of 2024. But we like to make plans. We like to have an idea of what the future may hold. We like to know the trajectory that we're going on. But if we're being honest this morning, we would all recognize that we have no idea what the future may hold. We may think we know what's going to happen tomorrow. We may have a good idea of what's going to happen tomorrow. But at the end of the day, we really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, I've got a pretty good idea of what my schedule's going to look like in the morning. And so, I'm going to go to bed tonight thinking what's going to happen tomorrow. But the reality is, I don't know that that's exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. And none of us do. And so this is the point that James is going to try to make, is that there has to be a level of humility when we think about plans and the future. So James chapter 4, we'll start reading in verse number 13. we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. For whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Again, we thank you for this opportunity to worship together. But God, we also pray as we break open your word that you would speak to us. God, let us hear what you have to say to us today. Let it be your words, not mine. And God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. So James chapter 4, as we are nearing the end of the book of James, we only have one chapter left to go. And then we'll be on into... Our Christmas series, because Christmas is right around, right around the corner. Um, I know I took the poll up. Any new any, anybody got Christmas decorations up this week that didn't have it up last week? Okay, got got, got some, good. Okay. Um, we're going to have church conference and handle some church discipline. Okay. Uh, I'm just kidding. But we're nearing the end of the book of James, and James is getting incredibly practical in his wisdom here, as James wants us to think about how we think about the future, how we plan for the future, and really this has to do with humility and pride. So first thing I want us to see this morning is the problem of pride for a believer, the problem of pride. So going back to verse 13, James says, "'Come now, you who say.'" Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit." So there were those that were there in the church that James is writing to that were making these future plans. And so there were these businessmen that were, had these plans that they were going to go to this town, spend a year there. They're going to trade and they were going to make some profit. That they had these big plans of what they wanted to do, what they wanted to achieve, and they were going, we're going to go do this. The issue is that there's no recognition of God or God's plan in this mindset. You see, it's not overt. It's not going, I'm going to go make a profit. I'm going to do this because I'm awesome. The pride is not overt like that. But this is a subtle pride. This is a pride that says, I know what I'm doing with my life and that I can handle this so I'm going to do this I'm going to do that so this is the mindset that James is dealing with and that we all have these plans right we all have a five to ten year plan of where we want to be in five years, what kind of job we want to have in five years, what, what we want our family to look like in five years. We all have those types of plans and dreams and ambitions, and hear me, those things aren't bad. The question we must wrestle with is, are those simply my plans, my desires for my own life? Or is this God's plan and God's will and God's desire for my life? That is the question we have to wrestle with. Is this simply me or is this God? So he says, yet... You do not know what tomorrow will bring. So you've got these big plans. You're gonna travel to the city. You're gonna make a whole lot of money, buying, selling, trading, doing all these things. You're gonna make a whole lot of cash, but you don't even know what tomorrow's gonna bring. You have these plans, but you do not even know what's going to take place tomorrow. He asks this question, what is your life? That seems like such a simple question to answer. But this is actually an incredibly difficult question to answer. That if we were to, to sit down across the table, and I were to look at you and say, What is your life? How would you answer it? Just as you think through that, what is your life? Because of the way that you would answer that question is incredibly important. If I were to ask you the question, what is your life? And the first thing you identify is your career. Then that is your identity. If I were to ask you, what is your life, and the first thing you were to identify would be your family, then that is your identity. If I were to ask you, what is your life, (laughs) you were to say, I'm a redeemed child of the King, then that is your identity. So His question sounds so simple, but this question really gets to the heartbeat of who we actually are. So he says, what is your life? He says, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You see, this is a sobering reality for all of us is that unless the Lord returns, now just to be fully transparent, we've spent a lot of time in funeral homes the past few weeks. And so this is an ever present reality. But unless the Lord returns, every single one of us will find ourselves on the other side of that funeral home visit. we will find ourselves not standing around the coffin, but in it. So we have to deal seriously with what James says here. He says, for it's like a mist that's here today and it's gone tomorrow. See the problem with pride in the life of a believer is that it makes it seem as though this little mist, this little blip on the radar is all that there is. See, if we live our entire lives focused on what is temporary, if we live our entire lives focused on this side of eternity, making this life all about me, myself, and mine, we're sending the message to the outside world that this is all there is instead of sending the message that this life may be short, this life may be momentary, but this is not all that there is, that there is something more. So instead of making plans that center around my desires, my will, I make plans that center around God's desires, in God's will for my life. So we see the problem of pride for a believer. Well, in second, we see the pattern of practice for a believer. Verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Notice James is not condemning the act of making plans. Like plans are good. So James is not condemning the act of planning and preparing and thinking through the future. What he's saying is that our plans, our preparation for the future should be filtered through the lens of God's will not our will, not our pride. So that when I think about the future, is this my desire? or Is this God's desire? This is the point that James is making. So that whatever I think about, maybe a career change is coming up or maybe a job change or a promotion. Is this my will or is this God's will? Maybe something's come up in your family or you're you're looking for someone to marry and all of those types of questions. Is this my will or is this God's will? Whatever the question is, we have to wrestle with that. Is it mine or is it God's will? So whatever we're thinking ahead about, Whatever we are planning, it should be our practice to filter that through the lens of God's will. And now I know if, if you're on the same week as we are in life group, I kinda, I had to press pause in our life group cause I'm like, I'm about to get into the sermon, can't get there. And so you'll just have to get this during the message part. So here we go. I think one of the reasons that we struggle with God's will in our life is A, I think we like to be in control most of the time. I think that's oftentimes a factor. But I also believe this, we struggle at times to believe that God's will is actually good for us. Like we would all admit, we believe that God's will is good for our lives, that God knows what's best for me. But does he really? Because we may have a definition of what is good in our life. We may think I need this, I need to plan for this, I need to prepare for this, because this is good. And all the while, God has a definition of good that is far higher and more superior than your definition of good. So God's going, I've got something better for you. I've got something that's greater than that thing that you are chasing. So as I survey my future, as I survey my plans, I'm not just saying that just as though this is a mystical thing that needs to be said, you know, if the Lord wills and the creek don't rise, how many of you ever heard, heard that before? Like it's just kind of something that we say, but what if it was something not just that we said, but if we took seriously that I want to position myself to surrender to God's will where every decision that I make comes from, is this God's will for my life or is this my own will for my life? That was something that we took seriously. Because James isn't just trying to give them an empty phrase to say as though it's magical in some sense. He's giving them words to live by that I want to center my life around God's will for my life. We we joke during life group talking about this because there are times, as as you've heard me share before, we are in the toddler phase of parenthood. And so there are things that we have to say that I never thought I'd have to say before. Like, why is there a hot dog in the toilet? Like I'd never, those words had never come out of my mouth before. Um, No, you can't run through the house with scissors chasing your sister. Like, just things like that. And there are things that I wasn't there for. Whitney shared this with me this week. Um, One day, Sophia, she put a box on her head and turns and runs full steam into the Christmas tree. Don't know what she was thinking. Apparently, it just looked fun for her to put a box on her head and just run into the Christmas tree. Um, she, She was protecting herself, I guess. But the fun thing about toddlers is that It brings them joy to do stuff like that. There's not a thing in the world wrong with what they're doing in their own minds. It makes them happy to try to stick their hand in the stove when we're trying to get something out of the oven. But they don't realize that thing that they think can make them happy. The thing that they think can make them joy can actually cause them great harm. And how many times have we wrestled with God, going, God, I really want this, but I know you're saying this. I know you're leading me here, but God, I really want this over here. And God's going. You don't understand the thing that you're playing with. It may look good in your eyes. It may you may think it brings you joy, but you got to understand it's going to hurt you. And we struggle with going. God, your will, not mine. Because we struggle with God's definition of what is actually good for us. And so this should be our pattern of practice that we're constantly thinking about what's the next step we should plan, we should prepare. But those plans and those preparations should be in submission to God's will, not ours. So we see the problem of pride, the pattern of practice. But then lastly, we see the proclamation of presumption for a believer he said, as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. The James is going, not only are you arrogant about life, not only are you prideful about life, not only are you presuming to know what's the next step is, presuming to know what's going to happen next, Not only are you prideful about it, you boast in your own pride. Literally, you are arrogant in your own arrogance. Think about that for a moment. He says, All such boasting is evil to live life in such a way that I make it all about me. I make it all about my plans, my desires, my will, and be prideful about it. James says a life like that, he doesn't say it's morally neutral. He doesn't say it's kind of bad, could be better. He says it's evil that to live life that centers around my will, my desires, to live life that centers around my pride, my arrogance is direct rebellion to God. James does not mince words here. He does not soft pedal this that it cannot be about me. So James ends by saying, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. as he ends this section to the church, he wants them to know that they know the right thing now. That sin is more than just doing the wrong thing. That to sin, to miss the mark, is to also know what is right and not do it. So he says, you know what is right. You know to not presume what your life is going to be about. That this proclamation that he makes about presumption and pride and arrogance, he says it's evil. And that failing to walk in humility, failing to recognize God's will over mine is Sin. Again, this is not a morally neutral thing. To do these things is a direct rebellion to God. So this brings us to our central idea this morning. Why is all this important? Why does all this matter? It's this. The Christian life is lived not as a testimony to the sufficiency of self, but the Savior. The Christian life is lived not as a testimony to the sufficiency of self, but the Savior. You see, if I live my life making it all about me, then I'm proclaiming to the world, Kirk, that I'm all I need. I'm proclaiming to the world that in and of myself, I am sufficient. And as I've shared before, if I'm honest, I know that's not the case. You can ask my wife. She will tell you that's not the case. but to live life in such a way that I make it all about me and my plans, my will, my desire. I'm not pointing anyone to the sufficiency of the savior. Because you see, once I shift gears and life is no longer about me and my will and my plans and my desire, all of a sudden I am proclaiming a message to the world that he is a sufficient savior. That it doesn't have to be about me. Why? Because i found one that's greater than me. It doesn't have to be about my will because i found a will that's greater than my will. It doesn't have to be about my desires because I've found desires that are greater than my desires. That we proclaim a message of a savior that is sufficient instead of a self that is Sufficient as the band comes back to the stage and we prepare to wrap up. You see, the gospel is what puts this into perspective for us. Because again, if this life was it, if this life was all that mattered, And yeah, I need to make it about me. I need to make it about my plans, my will, my desire. But the gospel says this life isn't it. The gospel says that there's something more than this temporary life. And that we must be about that something more. So this is why James addresses this issue. Because really, he gives a rather poignant illustration. He says your life, it's like a mist. I broke it. That's impressive. It's like a mist. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow that that one little mist 60 70 80 years but it's gone so what is it that's going to matter what is it that's going to last do i live in light of that mist or do i live in light of something greater I'm not gonna pour this out. I wouldn't want Mike to have to clean it up. Or do I live in light of eternity? I don't know how long it would take to take the mist and spray it up and fill this thing up. But there's a whole lot more to live for in here than that short mist. And so why am I able to be humble? Why am I able to go, God, your will, not mine? Because this is greater than that. This outweighs that. These short 60, 70, 80, 90 years on this side of eternity pales in comparison to this. So God, it's your will not mine, that God, I cannot make this mist of a life about me when I have this to look forward to. And so as we close, are you walking in light of the mist? or you walking in light of eternity? Are your plans, your preparations, your dreams, your desires, are they in light of the mist or are they in light of eternity? the things that you're desiring for for your family, the things that you're desiring for for your job and your career, are they in light of the mist or are they in light of eternity? See, this is a question we all must wrestle with. And so what are you living in light of? Are you walking in that pride and the arrogance and the presumption to think, I've got this thing figured out? Or are you walking in the humility that says, God's will, not mine? Those are questions for all of us to wrestle with today. I'm gonna pray. If you wanna come pray, you can grab a spot to the side. We'll talk about all of these boxes here in just a minute. But if you want to come pray, um, Pastor Clint will be standing over here. I'll be standing over here to this side if you need somebody to pray with. Let us wrestle with those questions today. Are we living surrendered to God's will or fighting for our own will? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, would you speak to us today? God, show us in our lives where God, we are fighting for our own will and not surrendered to yours. God, show us where we're living in light of this temporary mist instead of living in light of eternity. So God, speak to us today. We love you. We praise you. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and respond today. Again, you can grab a seat for just a moment. Um, Again, so glad that you're here today. If you're visiting, I'd love to connect with you out in the foyer on the way out. Um, Do have a couple quick announcements. This coming Wednesday night will be a little bit different. We won't have our normal Wednesday night activities, um, children, youth, adults. We are all going to be together in the fellowship hall at 6 o'clock for a family dinner. And so it's going to kind of be Thanksgiving um, themed, and so I encourage you to come be a part of that. And then also we're going to have some testimonies, just kind of sharing God thankfulness to God's goodness and his faithfulness over this past year. And so that's Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. Encourage you to come back and be a part of that um, dinner. And so that's 6 o'clock. No other normal activities. And so we typically do Wednesday night um, meal and then break off into classes. Um, It's just going to be just that one meal at 6 o'clock. We're all going to be together um, for family dinner. And so that's this coming Wednesday. Next Sunday, um, we're going to have church conference. Just want we'll to be sure to get that um, announced next Sunday. We're going to be having church conference talk through a few things. And so plan to be here for that. And then you've probably been wondering, we haven't talked about it yet, what the new stage decor is. Uh, of course, as, as you know, we've been walking, working through Operation Christmas Child and putting boxes together. And so, a big packing party last s- Sunday. I'm going to ask Joanna just to come and share a little bit about this. And then we're going to take some time just to pray over these as we send them out.
2: Not sure if uh, most of you know, but um, today's Orphan Sunday. And I don't think it's a coincidence that, um, these 450 plus gifts are ready to be sent out to orphans all over the world. Um, maybe they're not orphans in a physical sense, but maybe they're orphans in a spiritual sense. And I just, I want you to imagine for just a minute this morning, 450 children standing up here across the front of this church, and we have the message of the gospel to give them, some of them for the very first time. It's not about the gifts, we want that. We want that joy, that excitement that you see on their faces, but we want them to know about the love of Jesus. And I thank you all as a church body for just coming behind this ministry and putting a lot of feet <laughs> to the work, hands and feet. A lot of it takes, it takes a lot of work, um, no doubt about it. But imagine those 450-plus children in heaven one day because Airline Baptist Church saw a need and fulfilled it. They saw a need to send the gospel to the ends of the earth. We don't know who we'll see in heaven one day, but I surely hope it's these 450 children plus a lot more. There's 11 million, Samaritan's Purse projects that 11 million of these shoeboxes will go out this year. And with each shoebox goes the opportunities into the hands of the local believers. They train the local believers to share the gospel with these children. And they invite the children back to come back for a 12-week discipleship course. So if you haven't had a chance to be a part of this, um, so far, um, we're going to pray over these boxes, and prayer is is the most important thing that you can put in these boxes. If if uh, if nothing else, that's the very most important thing. So, if you would um, join us this morning as we pray, we would be very grateful. And um, just a little bit after this. Um, these boxes go on a journey, and they'll go from here. We're going to drop them off at New Holland Baptist Church, and they'll go to a central drop-off location, and they'll, they'll go to the processing center, where I hope to take some of you in a few weeks um, on December 2nd, so get ready for that, too.
1: Awesome. Um, As we do that, so just kind of give you some instructions, Um, we're all going to gather around up here to pray. I'm going to ask Clint if he'll he'll lead that prayer. Um, And then on the way out, so after we pray, that'll be our dismissal. If you would like to stick around and and, uh, help haul some boxes, we're going to take them out through here, um, and there'll be a a trailer out there. Um, We're going to go ahead and load those boxes into the trailer on the way out today. If you'll forgive me, one thing I forgot to make note of this morning um, before we pray, of course, this weekend is Veterans Day. uh, And so we just want to take just a moment um, just to recognize our veterans. so if you served in the military, would you just take a moment just to stand up um, real quick? And so so we just want to take a moment just to thank you for... Your service and so we appreciate you and, and all that all that you've done um, and so at this time all that are willing and able we want to ask you to just kind of come gather around these shoe boxes um, as we pray over them and pray that God would use them in the lives of children all throughout the world and then once we are finished praying um, we will be dismissed
3: God, we thank you for the um, this opportunity to gather together corporately to pray. So let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we um, God, we pause before you again as as we've um, God just been moved this morning, really by your Word, God in uh, in life group to to through song, through the the priest word of God, God to uh, to Miss Joanna coming up and sharing, and God we know her heart and. God, I've seen uh, testimonies and heard testimonies of, of what a small little box that, that we sometimes can take for granted here, um, and, and the few little things that are in, I saw a, a group of, of FCA leaders get together and, and fill a couple of these boxes yesterday as they went shopping, and, and the little small things that, that we sometimes take for granted, how it can open the door. God, and that's what I'm praying for this morning. I'm praying for doors to be opened through uh, a cardboard box with some, some gifts in there. The door be opened that, that your truth, your gospel will be proclaimed. God, and I couldn't think of a, uh, how you could line this up any better, but the, the scripture, the text... God, that our pastor preached this morning, God, we don't know, and if we uh, proclaim to know or insinuate that we know exactly what's going to happen with each and every one of these boxes, then, then we're mistaken. God, that would be prideful on our part, but God, you do know where each and every box is going to go, each and every child that will receive one of these shoe boxes God, you, you know who that will be. You know each and every one. God, just like you tell us, you know the hairs on our head. So God, we pray asking you to go before these boxes, to go before this, this opportunity for your word to be proclaimed and open those doors, open the doors of the hearts. God, as you did, uh, God, we read in your, in your word how you've done that many times. Specifically, I'm thinking right now of Lydia, how you opened her heart as the word came to them. So, God, we pray right now specifically that you open doors, you open hearts, then you use these boxes. Thank you for all the hands and feet. Joanna said that as well, that we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, that have prepared these to go. And, God, there's still a lot of work to be done to get them to where they're going, but, God, you're faithful in that. And, God, we ask you, we ask you to to take and use uh, these small little things to to do something really big is only you can do because you are a big God who does big things. And we're asking you to do something monumental here with these boxes. God, the souls uh, would be, <laughs> souls would become yours in, in walking into this kingdom, uh, this brotherhood of, of, of followers. So God, we pray asking you to watch over and bless and protect and get these 450 boxes where they go. Thank you for a church that believes in this. Lord, uh, that believes in missions. So, God, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.